Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. thinking, boy, I better be able to preach after that. <laughs> the, uh, you may uh, remember that, that hymn, uh, there's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that blood lose all their guilty sins. Amen. Well, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, and we've been looking at the Beatitudes of the Sermon on the Mount, and um, Jesus has been teaching the people through this sermon, and it's, a, it's quite a lengthy sermon, actually, and um, such tremendous lessons. We look at one little portion each week. But we're going to begin at verse 1 in chapter 5, and then we'll read on through to, uh, to verse 20. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. When he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. 
You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray, please. Our Father, as we study your word today, we pray that you, O Lord, will teach us by your Holy Spirit to the honor and to the glory of the Lord Jesus and to the benefit of your people that we might better understand what it means to be a child of the King. To discover, Lord, your will for our lives, both as individual Christians and as a body of believers. And help us, Lord, in our understanding, to understand that we bear responsibility to live out your truth on a daily basis. Lord, we thank you that you are here with us today. Be our teacher, O oh Lord. Speak to us now from your holy word, for we pray in thy name, Lord Jesus, giving thanks. Amen. Amen. And so last week we looked at salt and light. And uh, we talked about some of the characteristics of salt, that salt is used as a preservative and and therefore, as Christians, we ought to be preserving the truth of God's word in the world. You know, the world will change its positions, its perspectives, and its philosophies and definitions. But we are to maintain or preserve and teach the truth of God's holy word. And then as light, and we use the illustration of you know, at nighttime, you look out in the clear sky, you can see the stars in the night sky. And we are to shine. Shine with the radiance of Christ in this, this dark, sin-filled world. And as people interact with us and as we interact with other people, they should, they should sense or recognize something different about us. And of course, that difference is the person of Christ living within us. And our responsibility, really our privilege, is to point people to him. Amen. Now Jesus continues in the Sermon on the Mount here as we look at verses 17 through 20. 
and he makes a statement that he did not come to destroy the scripture. You see, many people have attempted to do that throughout history, and many people still attempt to do that today. To destroy, to stamp it out, or they criticize it, they laugh at it, they ridicule it. And you've probably heard that people say, well, you know, whose Bible is the right one? The thing has been changed, etc., 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 and they go on and on about that. But isn't it so interesting then, and I believe it was 1947 when the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered, that it took about 20 years, and they're, they're still actually discovering more scrolls, and they're still deciphering many of the scrolls. Because many of them were, were fragmented and, so, and very brittle because they're over 2,000 years old. And so they have to very carefully unwrap these things and, and, and put them together and then decipher what they're actually saying. But we've mentioned on several occasions that over in Jerusalem, in the museum there, there is, a, there is the entire chapter of, of the... Uh, the 53rd chapter of the book of Isaiah, the, the entire book of Isaiah was discovered. The entire book. But it's on display in a museum in Israel. And it's so interesting that it's the 53rd chapter. And we're going to look at that here in a little bit. But there's so many who criticize and are unwilling to accept the Bible for what it is. God's holy word. And this idea that's been changed, well, as they over the years continue to, to decipher and to analyze what did they discover? Lo and behold. The Bible of 2,000 years ago is the same Bible that we have today. And what's so sad really is that 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 is not heralded. You follow? That that is not made known, widespread. God's word is perfect. And God has preserved his word for us. And Jesus did not come to destroy it. The, the Pharisees and the religious leaders accused him of that. But he tells us he did not come to destroy but he came to fulfill, to fulfill the scripture. Now, very quickly, turn to Luke. Uh, Luke chapter 4, just to the right there of, of, uh, of Matthew. Luke chapter 4. And just wanted to give you a, a couple of places where uh, the scripture shows that, that Jesus uh, fulfilled the, the scripture and will fulfill the scripture. So Luke 4, beginning at verse 16. So he, that is Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Now, that's a sermon in itself. Here is Jesus, the Lord of, of all creation. But he was in church every week. You follow here he is, the Lord of all creation. He didn't allow anything to keep him from being in attendance at worship. 
on a regular basis. As his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And as he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, notice, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Very important. Now turn to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah 61. And just so that you, you understand why we want to turn to Isaiah 61, Isaiah the, the, Isaiah the prophet lived about seven, seven, 750 years before Jesus walked on the earth. Okay, And the message that God gave to Isaiah the prophet that the prophet preached and wrote down that we're about to read was given approximately seven to 750 years before Jesus was born. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. You notice that? Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. You notice that? Jesus fulfills the scripture. He didn't come to destroy, but to fulfill. The scripture is about him. It is about him. And it is about God's will. God's plan for his creation. Now turn to chapter 53 in the same book, the book of Isaiah. When I was teaching in college classes, and I had the wonderful privilege of teaching, uh, basically it was a comparative religious class, comparative religions. And uh, the first, uh, the first um, session dealt with Judaism, and the second with, with Christianity, and the third with Islam. But I would always have the students to bring a Bible, to bring whatever Bible they want, whatever version they wanted, because, you know, again, it's, well, they're all different, and what they discovered was, no, they're not. Oh, they may use some different words and synonymous terms, but the meaning was always the same. But we would read the 53rd chapter in the book of Isaiah. So let's, let's begin reading. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. 
But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken, and they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. So then I would ask the students, I'd say, so who, who is that uh, speaking of? And without hesitation, they would all say, Jesus. Whether they were a believer or not a believer, because it was a public, you know, a public university. I'd say, but... But that's in, the, that's in the, the Jewish writings, you see, because Isaiah is in the Jewish writings. He was a Jewish prophet. You follow? Yet it was very easy for them to identify who this servant that was being described in this passage actually is or was. The Lord Jesus Christ. He comes and came as the fulfillment of of the scripture. The Bible is about him. The Bible gives glory to him. The Bible acknowledges him. And as God's people, we are to acknowledge him. And we are to give glory to him. And we are to love him, to worship, and to adore him. For when we do, we honor the Father. But the Bible also teaches that no one can call Christ the Lord unless the Spirit of God lives and dwells within him. And so if you refuse to acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord, guess what? The Spirit of God is not dwelling in you. For only by the Spirit of God can a person call and believe and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Lord, God in human flesh. He did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And there is no other Savior. Let's move on to the next point. <laughs> Jesus makes a promise. The scripture will be fulfilled, completely fulfilled. He makes a promise. Now, for the sake of time, over in the second chapter, or in the second book of Peter, the third chapter, and we read this on Wednesday. 
this earth, the present earth and heaven are going to all be burned up. Now, that doesn't mean that we should just take the earth for granted. No, we're supposed to be responsible. We're, we're to be good stewards, responsible stewards, to care for what God has given to us. While at the same time also acknowledging that this earth is temporary. It's going to be destroyed. God's going to give us a brand new earth and a new heaven where righteousness prevails. And he makes this promise that not one jot or tittle will pass from the law till everything has been fulfilled. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word is eternal. Now, Mike came up to me today and he said, uh, Eden wanted to know if that, if that jot and that tittle, is that correct or were those spelling mistakes? <laughs> I said, no, that, that comes right out of the scripture, you see. The word jot, actually in the Hebrew, it, it, it refers to the Hebrew letter, the yod. It's a yod. And it looks like the English apostrophe. Just a little, just a little deal like that, okay? And the tittle actually refers to um, the, we'll, we'll use this term, the, the tail that distinguishes, say, a P from an R, right? You can write a P, but then that little tail that you put, or the little leg, that little tittle makes it an R. So it turns a P into an R. What is Jesus saying? So we'll put it into English. He's saying every I will be dotted and every T will be crossed. Every grammatical portion, every word down to the very letter will be fulfilled to the very letter, everything will be fulfilled. God's word is perfect. Turn to Psalm 19, please. Psalm 19. Now I'd encourage you to, to memorize this, this psalm. You can do it. Psalm 19. Beginning at verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of heaven, and its circuit to the other end. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, 
and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Oftentimes people will say, well, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to say. Well, why don't you say this? Verse 14. As a matter of fact, all throughout the scripture, so many passages and so many prayers. If you don't know how to pray, pray the scripture. Pray the scripture. And the Bible teaches that God the Holy Spirit is the one who enables us to pray. He's the one who enables us to pray. And to pray oftentimes even without words. Or words that can be understood. Because what we feel is so deep. Yet God knows what we feel and what we're experiencing. But notice, the scripture teaches, as Jesus teaches, that God's word is perfect. Perfect. That means it's without error. And then, God's word is settled. Psalm 119. 119. We've said many times before, there are many books that have been written on the Bible, books to study, and, and very beneficial. But the greatest commentary on the Bible is the Bible itself. Psalm 119 and verse 89. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You establish the earth, and it abides. They continue this day according to your ordinances, for all are your servants. Everything in all creation <coughs> operates according to God's plan. God's word is perfect. And we studied this morning out of the book of the prophet Daniel and the various beasts that he, that he received in a vision, in a dream, foretelling the various kingdoms that would come. The Babylonian kingdom, then conquered by the Medo-Persian kingdom, then conquered by, the, by Greece and Alexander the Great, the Greco kingdom, and then that kingdom being conquered by the Roman king. All of that outline in this dream, this vision given by God to Daniel long before it ever occurred. And yet when we look back from this point of history, what do we discover? Oh, a perfect, a perfect outline of what was coming in the future. God's word is settled. Now Isaiah 55, 11. Isaiah 55 and verse 11. And I encourage you to write these down, to go back, to study them. 
I'm actually going to begin at verse 8 in, in Isaiah chapter 55. This is God speaking, and he's speaking to his people. He's speaking to us. Isaiah chapter 55, beginning at verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. You notice that? God says his word will be fulfilled. And it will be fulfilled according to his time and in his way. Now, we all study and, and we struggle sometimes to understand a few things or how things are going to work out. And sometimes you can read one portion of scripture and it, and it appears to say one thing and you read another portion and, and, and it seems to say something else and you, we, we try to work it all out and we pray about it and we study and discuss it. But God is the one who knows how it's all going to work out. And it's going to work out perfectly as he designed it to do so. His word is settled in heaven. There's also a warning there. There's a warning. So let's move on. Jesus pronounces a warning and a blessing. Both a warning and a blessing. The warning says, do not break or compromise. That is, to water down the word of God. The consequence is called least, is to, or to be called the least. The Bible teaches that those who, who disobey, those who reject, those who, who attempt to change or, or do change and water down God's word, they're going to be held accountable. They will be held accountable. Uh, we mentioned in uh, Sunday school this morning, you know, today, this, uh, this uh, group of people, the woke people. <laughs> they're woke. <laughs> Meaning that they're the enlightened ones, right? They're the ones who have all the answers. They, they know the difference between right and wrong. Nothing but wickedness is a part of their agenda. Don't be a part of that crowd. Wickedness and evil, that is what they are about. You saw that today there are more people claiming to be a part of the LGBTQ community than ever in history. Well, they don't know that. Most of them don't realize that it goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. Sodom and Gomorrah. Where do you suppose the word sodomy came from? It used to be illegal in the United States. Why was it illegal in the United States? Because it was considered vile and wrong. Sinful. And any who questioned their gender identity were considered to be mentally unstable. But do you know that the woke group put pressure on 
the, oh, what is that? It's the, um, it's the Organization of Psychologists and Counselors Across America. They, in their work and research, identified those who are part of this as being mentally unstable. And that's why in the military they were also recognized as being mentally unstable and not fit for service. The pressure was put on them so that they removed that from their charter. God's people are to be about the truth. We are to proclaim the truth. We are to lift up and uphold the truth. We are to be like Saul and preserve the truth and not be ashamed about standing up and telling the truth. Sadly, there are so many Christians who do not have a spine and they would rather give in to the world or to the woke group. We are to stand and to stand firm. There is a difference between what is right and what is wrong. What is pleasing to God and what is displeasing to God. And we are to stand for what is right. Notice what he says. A blessing. Those who live by God's word and teach others to do so will be rewarded. They will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now imagine that. Imagine God calling you great. What does that do for your self-esteem? Because <laughs> right? that's another thing, right? All these kids struggling. Low self-esteem. Low self-esteem. Hmm. What does that do for a person's esteem when they discover that God knows them? God knows their address. He knows their birthday. He knows everything about them, and he loves them in spite of it. Amen? And he desires to use their life to transform them into something glorious to his honor and glory and to their benefit. And not just to their benefit, but to the benefit of the entire human race. And what does the world do? The world seeks to silence that. To silence that. And they do it by shaming. They do it by ridiculing. They do it by shouting people down. You ever watch the news and you, you, you'll, have a, you'll have a person who's conservative and you'll have one who's real liberal. As soon as the conservative begins to speak and to proclaim truth, what does the liberal do? They shout them down. Instead of allowing them to speak, no, they shout them down. Interrupt, shout down, ridicule. That is what the evil one does. And what the evil one also does is he likes to point the accusing finger. The Bible says he accuses the brethren day and night. Blessing for those who live by God's word and teach others to do so will be rewarded. Now, he also goes on and he talks about righteousness. And he says, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, you're not going to make it into heaven. Now, for the disciples, they were probably 
really surprised by that, as well as the multitude thinking, well, wait a minute. These are the religious leaders. These guys are the examples of how you're supposed to live your life. How in the world can we, just a common person, be as good as one of them? Well, there are different types of righteousness. We look at two right here. The first of which is the type that was practiced by the Pharisees. Fabricated, outward, false. Notice that. Fabricated, outward, false. And there are still people living today who think that their lives are so wonderful, you know. And because of all that they've done, they know they're going to go to heaven when they die. Because they've just done so much. I dare say there are some people in church when they die are going to hell. And some people who, who aren't in church when they die, they're going to heaven. Because it's not about how good you are. And all that you've done. This type of righteousness leads to judgment and death. Now, in this, in this same book, let's read there, Matthew 23. Matthew 23. And verses 13 through 36. Beginning at verse 13. Now this is Jesus speaking to these religious people. Right? These, these very good people. These, these, uh, these examples of, of goodness. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Notice what he calls them. This is the loving, gentle, kind, and meek Jesus. Because some people have a, a misunderstanding of the person of the Lord Jesus. Notice what he says. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore you will receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte, and when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. We mentioned that on Wednesday in our study. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, whoever swears by the temple is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? And whoever swears by the altar it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gift that is on it, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and by all things on it. He who swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Blind guys who strain out at a gnat and swallow a camel. 
Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Now we could go on and on. You get the picture? What does Jesus say? They're not righteous at all. They have a fabricated and outward appearance, false righteousness, and this type leads to judgment and to death. But he says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, true righteousness, it's imputed, that means it's, it's gifted, it is bestowed by God. It is a gift. It is not something that you can earn. And, and hear this very carefully. You don't lose your salvation. It is an eternal gift. When you go out and you do something, or you say something, or you think something that, is, that you know is not right, it's not pleasing to God, you're not going to lose your salvation. You'd be losing your salvation every day. Person says, well, you know, if you go out and you do this terrible sin, it's all sin. Whether it's a little sin or a great big sin, it's all sin. So you'd have to be, you'd be getting lost and then saved. And then an hour later, you'd be getting lost again. And then saved. Nonsense. Nonsense. And that stuff is taught. And it is nonsense. If the gift weren't eternal, God would have said, well, you're, we're going to give you temporary life. You follow? The word itself defines the quality and the kind or the type of life. It's eternal. It's everlasting. And it's not based upon your goodness or our goodness. It's based upon God's goodness. And he's good. Amen? Amen. God is good. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. You all know it. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the, yes. say it, yes. gift of God, yes. not of works, lest any man should boast. You follow? We are saved by God's grace, and it is a gift. It is a gift, a free gift that God gives, free for us, but it cost the Father his Son upon the cross. It cost Jesus his life. He left the splendor of heaven to walk upon the earth that he created. And he went to the cross and gave his life. He died. Ah. But after he was buried on the third day, he rose up from the dead. And as we read in our responsive reading, amen. Christ is the victory. He is the victor. Over, over death. Now, one more passage of scripture here. Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians five seventeen. Because I, I I want you to read it uh, for yourselves. You know, I could quote something and say, well, I don't know that he quoted it correctly. But, right? Second Corinthians chapter five and verse seventeen. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen. Christ in us. We become a new creation. A new creation. I said one, but I, I meant to say two. <laughs> Romans 3. Romans chapter 3. 3, verse 21 and 22. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation, that is a substitute, by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness. Because in His forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And that term, justification or justified, it is a, it is a legal declaration. God the Father, who is the ultimate judge, declares us forgiven. He declares us completely forgiven and acceptable. Not because... We're innocent. But because his innocent son paid the penalty and took our place, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God through him. Amen. That's the righteousness that Jesus is talking about. It is the righteous gift that God gives. And quickly now as we, as we sum up our message today. What is Jesus teaching in this portion of the sermon. Well, first of all, he is the fulfillment of God's word. As a matter of fact, he's called the word. He's the living word. He is God the word. You read that in the first chapter in the Gospel of John. He is the Savior, and besides him, there is no other Savior. If people are looking for another Savior, guess what? They're not going to find him because there is no other Savior. Jesus is the only Savior. God's word is completely trustworthy, divine, authoritative, and it is perfect. God's word is perfect. If there's something we don't understand, it's because we're limited. But God is not limited. He is infinite. What is written in God's word will be fulfilled completely the way that God intends for it to be fulfilled. We, and I should have also put in here, we are to believe, accept, and obey God's word and teach others to do so. And lastly, righteousness is a gift of God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Anyone who tells you anything different doesn't know what they're talking about. Anyone who tells you or teaches you something that is not consistent with God's word is placing themselves in a very dangerous position. So we're not to change and
compromised, watered-down God's Word. We are to teach it and preach it as it is. Amen. We're ready to sing a hymn of invitation. The invitation is God's invitation to you. If you don't know Him as your Savior, to come to know Him today, to rededicate your life, to join here, to follow the Lord in believer's baptism, whatever decision it is, you come as we sing. You step out as we sing. Let's stand, please. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.